Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello, my name is Lou Moore, and I'm here today with Chris Showbloom, who is the research director and house economist for the Washington Research Council, as well as Emily Makings, who is our senior research analyst. And this is the In Focus podcast episode for March 16, 2015. So, Chris, what's going on in economic news that we should know about? So, within the last week, there were two um, important monthly reports from the state of Washington. Um, the first was the report on uh, employment in the month of January. That's quite a while. The month of January is two months past us now at this point, but the January reports are always delayed a bit because of some beginning-of-the-year adjustment to methodology coming out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Anyway, the number was very good, 18,300 jobs reportedly added between December and January. In addition, uh, we had revisions where we had the number for the job growth from November to December was revised upward to 8,900 from the originally announced 7,600. And October to November growth was also adjusted up to 8,400 from the previous estimate of 5,800 jobs. All in all, very good. And even on top of that, there was a benchmarking adjustment to the um, September level of employment by a, another 10,000. So uh, I'm going to stop you right there. What is a benchmarking adjustment? Benchmarking adjustment, the, the numbers we, we get monthly come from a survey of employers. And when you get, it's a national survey, and when you get down to the Washington component of it, it's a relatively small number of employers who are being surveyed. Uh, so there's a lot of sampling error in these estimates that they come out monthly. After a period of time, the uh, Employment Security Department receives tax returns for the unemployment insurance tax, which provide a complete count of all of the jobs uh, all the people who are employed in jobs that qualify for unemployment insurance. So at that point, they get a pretty complete count of how many jobs there are, and they go back and adjust the, um, the estimates that they've been making going along uh, to this benchmark that comes from the, uh, from the actual account from unemployment insurance. Okay. Not every job is covered by unemployment insurance, so there's still a bit of estimate in there, but, mm -hmm. but it's much more solid. Okay. Um, I always warn that these, these monthly estimates when they come out are subject to a certain amount of revision over time because they are just a sample. And the 18,300 jump we got in the last month is, is large enough that I suspect that's going to be revised downward a bit in the future. But you take all of the information that became available this month, and it was really a very positive report. Okay, so uh, we're getting now a sequence of positive job number reports, and we've we've also gotten a very positive revenue report. So, are, are, so we are in it's the a, midst was, of a recovery. Is yeah, that the, fair the revenue thing? report was was, was decent. It wasn't great, but it was decent. Total collections for the February 11th, March 10th uh, collections month were 16.7 million, uh, uh, greater than had been forecast. A nice little positive variance, but not huge. Uh, looking under that, the collections under the Revenue Act taxes 
which are the sales tax, the B&O tax, were actually 21.6 million, less than forecast. Oh. Um, the non-revenue act collections, the big one there is the real, real estate excise tax, was 38.3 million above forecast. But when you look at the Revenue Act collections, there had been anticipated a $13.3 million audit payment that would come in in the month. It actually didn't. It's now going to come in a, in, a, in a future month. And when you, when you correct for that, uh, the shortfall in the Revenue Act collections was, is relatively minor and not troubling. Okay. So right. the, the, fork, the for recently adjusted forecast is basically on track. Nothing in this uh, forecast that would make budgeteers particularly happy or particularly sad. It okay. leaves things just about where they thought they were going to be when they were for writing the budget. So in other words, they're going to still be sad because budgeteers generally are, and in this state, I think, this yes. year. Yes, they, that, that they're, looking, they're looking at a pretty difficult budget to write with. Uh, all in all. So. They are indeed. Okay. Thank you very much. Emily, you blogged in the last few days on a issue that has to do with workers' comp and the settlement floor for folks that want to settle their workers' comp claim. That's right. What's up with that? So Washington has consistently had high workers' compensation benefits costs. And in 2011, the legislature allowed workers of a certain age to agree to voluntarily settle their workers' compensation claims. And this is something that 44 other states allow. But the law is very limited. Washington is the only state that has an age floor for allowing these agreements. This year, it's you have to be 53 years old to voluntarily agree to a settlement, and that will drop to 50 next year. So recently, the Senate passed ESB 5513, which would allow the, these voluntary agreements for workers who are at least 40 years old. Okay. So that's an improvement. And the, the Senate has passed a, a similar bill previously, but the House has never agreed to it. Or even, I don't think there's even been any action on the bills previously. So we'll see if there's any this year in the, any action this year in the House. So this is strictly right now Senate activity. Yep. And we yep. have two bodies that are controlled by different political parties. So, right. so I, I want to ask you about this. So the age floor was 53. It's on schedule to go down to 50. Is it scheduled to go down lower than that no. or only to 50? No, just to 50. So what is the thinking here? Why would they have an age floor of 53 or 50 uh, for folks to be uh, able to enter into these settlements? I think the idea was uh, opponents of allowing the the whole idea of allowing voluntary settlements of workers' comp claims was very novel to to Washington. And so, in order to get it through, I think the compromise was to limit it to older workers, with the idea that younger workers would be better served if they could not um, settle their claims because they might run out of money or they might need, you know, something more in the future, they just might not have a good, good idea of what they, their best interests would be. So that was kind of the compromise, but um, I think it would be better if um, more workers are allowed to have the closure that settlements can bring. And as I mentioned, Washington is the only state that limits it to a certain age, so it's not really clear that there's any actual benefit to anyone from doing so. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. 
Well, I uh, had an interview with an economist by the name of Rick Evans, who, by the way, is going to be our keynote speaker at the Washington Research Council annual dinner, which will be in May, and we'll have more information on that shortly. But in my conversation with Dr. Evans, we got on the subject, well, the principal subject was income inequality, and we got on the subject of measuring income inequality, which economists do by something called a Gini coefficient. And Dr. Evans, who is based in Provo, Utah, was very happy to say that Utah, at least as of 2010, had the best Gini coefficient of any state in the United States or the lowest incidence of income inequality. And we were both a little unsure about Washington's uh, ranking in that year. Uh, and so I looked that up and we were 16th. And I said in the podcast that I thought we were somewhere in the middle. That was my memory of it. But we, in fact, were 16th. So Utah was number one and uh, we were 16th out of 50 states. Now, my understanding is, is those numbers have moved around a little bit since 2010. And we will keep an eye on that in the future. But for those of you who are following the Gini coefficient and measuring income inequality in Washington state, that may not be a lot of you. But uh, for those of you who are, those are the numbers. I'm Lou Moore with the Washington Research Council here with Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. Thank you very much. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.